This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Radio Marinara is brought to you by Deakin University's School of Life and Environmental Sciences. Triple R sponsors. The real story of the ocean depths begins where you left off. Wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. Just gone two minutes past nine. You are tuned to 102.7 3 Triple R. It's time for this week's edition of Radio Marinara. Good morning, my name's Bron Burton. I'm Dr. Surf. And we have special We've got Dr. J. Yay. Hello. Son of Son of Surf. Son not, of not, Surf. Not, not actually. Well, you know. No, for I'm, a, to... I'm a son of the surf. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jay's coming in to give, uh, and he'll be here regularly, we hope, to give the younger person's perspective on the surfing world because I'm way over the hill. <laughs> yeah, it's time for, uh, it is. time for an update, I think. Is this kind of like, this is kind of a sharing of the waves rather than necessarily dropping in? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll call it that. He's more enthusiastic <laughs> and less grumpy. And I thought, I thought this show could, could use someone... Less grumpy. Oh, but it's it's your signature, you know, <laughs> part of your signature profile, Doctor Sue. It uh, seems to be. Don't a, get me started, uh, Brian. I'll start talking about the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people up and about today. It's yeah. a beautiful morning, and they're all driving around on the road. Twenty-eight today. I'll get to the weather in a sec. Sorry, mm-hmm. Joe. You're going to say? Oh, I was just going to say. It seems to be um, like the the whole grumpy thing. Maybe maybe that's what you grow into as a surfer. Right. You know, dealing yeah, with all the it's, trials it's, and tribulations of... Well, it's all part of this silly notion that life was always better back in the day. Yeah. Back in the 70s. I've known better. you a long time, though, Dr. Surf. I reckon you've always been a bit of a grumpy bastard. Yeah, runs in the family. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Tim, very much for Vital Bits. Thank you, Andrew, very much for Soulful Bits, extraordinary Soulful Bits this morning. 
Very moving. Today's show, we got a quite a relaxed show. Last week was jam-packed and we were kind of running at, you know, 100, 100k an hour for the whole show. This this one, we're kind of taking a bit of a step back. Yeah. We've got Neil Blake coming in <laughs> shortly. He's going to be talking about um, the litter surveys that he's been doing, but also some of the different methods in different environments and the particular uh, street method that's being adapted at the moment looking at where we've talked a lot about microplastics being a a real issue um, but where are they coming from and so Neil's looking at adapting some of his surveying methods to maybe do a bit of investigation taking citizen science to citizen Mm, investigation that sounds good Mm. Uh, and some mollusk survey mollusk survey news as well and then we're gonna uh, well I'm gonna hit you both up for a surf report yeah I think we know how it is pretty good yeah Good. I think so. I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> the water's warming up. Yeah, definitely. Hearing that from the divers too. Mm. Mm. Which is a good thing. Yeah. Incredible footage I've been seeing over the last 24 hours, really, about conditions, particularly down at Flinders yesterday. It looked like it was outstanding. I saw a report of 15 metre vis under Flinders yeah, Pier, it was which very, is very pretty extraordinary. Virtually no surf yesterday too. Well, there that you go. Have helped. That would be consistent. And then... Um, you guys are going to be talking about wave height calculations. Yeah. What's yeah. that all about? It's a bit of a misconception, I think, especially if you're a beginner surfer. It's, um, you know, you're told one thing and then you go down to the beach and you see another thing. And we're just going to clarify on that. Or, okay. You know, yeah, it's about how about it's, it's not a, a science. There's no machine that you can point at the surf to tell you how big it is. It's, <laughs> so it's because it's subjective and some people... Some people do one kind of surf report and some people do another. We thought we'd, we'd inform the public about it. Okay. And um, it can be contentious. There's yeah. even been legal cases over this. Really? In America, of course. Relating to competitions? No, relating to someone who who um, took the surf report advice, yep. went down, got smashed. Oh, right. Because it was a lot bigger than the surf report was. Right. And he sued. Wow. And he won. Oh, Really? Wow. Okay. Well, looking forward to talking about that. And then you've got some more surf news, including um, we can explore that one some more. Kent's kind of <laughs> little gobsmacked at this point. Um, Kent's panelling for us today, in case you're wondering who the, the random introduction of Kent is. We'll get him on the mic one day. Um, and surf news, including Vintage Surf Day coming up. Vintage Surf Day, Point Leo. I'll be giving you lots of information about that. It's on in two weeks today. Excellent. Saw an article about you, bit of a profile no, piece. Don't start. If you're down morning to I away. didn't read it because, um, you know, you shouldn't read your own publicity. <laughs> it was supposed to be about the vintage day. It mentions in, the vintage day. In the local paper. Yeah. All right, bit of weather. 28 today, uh, sunny, medium chance of showers at night. Light winds becoming northwesterly, 30 to 45 kilometres an hour in the morning. Oh, it's going to be windy, shifting west to southwesterly, 40 to 60 kilometres an hour in the evening. Mm-hmm. That's good. Good day for washing. Yeah. Tomorrow or doing lots of other it's gonna rain fun tomorrow. things. <laughs> <laughs> 17, right you are, Dr Surf. Showers, partly cloudy, high chance of rain. Uh, Tuesday, possible shower, 17. Wednesday, possible shower, 19. Thursday, shower or two. It's going to be wet for the rest of the week, 19. And Friday, back down to 16 and a possible shower. Yay. So today is definitely the peak of the week. And the tide times... uh, About 7 o'clock high. Dr Beach had trouble with this last week too. 7, 8 o'clock. They're hiding them. I think it's about a 7 o'clock high. Yeah, that's that's all they've got listed. 6.46am. 
is a high tide at Point Lonsdale at 1.545 metres, but no other details. So that means your low tide's going to be about half past 12. Yep. And is it worth me reading Swellnet? You always say no. No. Okay. I mean, oh, we've then. we've seen it, so we'll give you the. You can give us. Do you a want surf. that now or later? Uh, oh no, do it later. Okay. We'll do it when it's. I don't know. Is it important to give it now for people who want to go out and surf? It's good surf. Let's do it now. It's um. It's about three to five foot on the peninsula beaches and and the island beaches. Bit windy, but it's offshore. Yeah, offshore. It's it's three to five s- foot on our beach is about two to three foot surf coast. Yeah, it's pretty say? solid. You wouldn't want to go to Gunnamatta or Willamai unless you're an experienced surfer. Mm. In saying that as well, I think it's pretty inconsistent before a big, big jump in the swell tomorrow. Yeah. So if you were on the west coast, where would you go today? 13th. Uh, yeah, Jay? Yeah, 13th. Yep. 13th. Uh, 13th always has better waves than Fairhaven. But... Um, it's, it's probably only going to be, what, waist high? Yeah, waist. Maybe a little bit bigger. Waist, chest high. Yep. Nice day for a surf, though. Mm. And there's a lot of boards heading down, we saw when we were driving. Right. Up. So now, that would you, be won't, a... you won't be on your Pat Malone. No, definitely not. <laughs> and that would be the East Coast. So where would you go on the East Coast? Uh, look, uh, anywhere between Gunner Manor and Portsea, mm-hmm. but make sure you know how to surf. Yep. All right. Uh, I've got a couple of quick plugs and then we're going to play a track and you, you've programmed all the music today, almost all the music. Neil's brought a track in, but we'll talk about that in a sec. Quick plug. Actually, you'll like this one, Dr. Surf. Thornbury Bowls Record Fair. I saw that. This has got nothing to do and with the And then I remembered the how much I money do. I'm in debt to and I thought <laughs> I'm not going. <laughs> so that's on from midday till four. Free entry, bands and barbecue event later. So and lots of... Um, when? Next Lots Sunday? of vinyl. That's or today. That today. You could pop up there. I don't even know the date, but, yeah, that looks fantastic. Go and have a coffee after the show and then head up to the Thornbury Bowls Record Affair, Dr. Surf. No. Not not because it's bad, but because it looks way too good. I'd spend too much money. (laughs) And um, just a quick shout-out. This came through uh, my Facebook connections. A bit of a shout-out if you're down Balnaring or Summers Way. Uh, So it's obviously um, bird... Uh, breeding season, many animal breeding season, but um, hooded plovers, and well, there's a red cap plovers actually. So they've six little tiny chicks on the beach between Balnaring and Summers. So a bit of a call out from the Balnaring Beach Foreshore and Parks Reserve. Um, the chicks can't fly, they're particularly at risk from dogs and foxes. Uh, so they're doing their best to try and, um, uh, you know, keep the foxes under control, but are requesting that keep your dogs on leash while in the foreshore reserve to protect your dog and the fledgling chicks. Um, I think they're planning on maybe putting out bait for foxes. So, yeah, keep your dogs on a leash or maybe better yet, just for the time being, go to another beach. There you go. We're going to talk more about plovers another time because there's been a whole lot of media recently, including um, lots of research coming out of Deakin University, uh, including down at Barwon Heads, but we'll we'll hold off on that because we're going to talk about uh, litter surveys in just a moment. So, formally welcome to you. And um, we're going to be talking, as we always do, about the great work that you do in advocating for um, the coastal environment, particularly around Portfield Bay in your role as baykeeper, uh, and some of the community work that you're doing in bringing sort of citizen science together. Yeah, I think... How uh, things travelling? Uh, things are going really well, um, and uh, particularly moving uh, away from uh, the bay part of the waterways and up around into the catchments. Um, I keep on making the... Uh, 
Uh, the view to the Yarra River Keeper, that the uh, river is actually just a skinny bit of the bay, <laughs> and the creeks are as well. And he reckons though that the bay's the fat bit of the river. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, it's uh, all perspective, I, isn't it? Really, <laughs> we have been uh, doing uh, manta net trawls in the Yarra and the Maribyrnong for a couple of years, and we found that uh, we've estimated that there are something like um, 445 million uh, microplastics coming out of the Yarra ye- a year. Uh, and a lot of it, 20% of that is polystyrene. Right. Uh, so the question is, where is it coming from and who put it there? Poly- so when you say polystyrene, are these broken up bits of...? Some of them are beads, but also mm. fragments of, uh, you know, uh, coffee cups and that sort of stuff, yeah, mm. and uh, the, the sort of white goods packaging that, um, that is commonly left lying around on nature strips and things like that. So 20% polystyrene and the other 80%...? Uh, it's a lot of um, uh, the majority of it is just fragments of hard plastic. Uh, soft, pliable plastics are lesser common, mm. uh, but uh, definitely the um, polystyrene is c- concerning, though, as is the hard plastics. Though, but uh, uh, the, the, the main significant difference between the Yarra and the Maribyrnong was uh, the extra polystyrene in the Yarra. Mm. And the thing is, none of that needs to be there, does it, Neil? None no, of that's it. right. And, uh, you know, we just need to change our mindset a little bit. And uh, But unless we can come up with some um, hard evidence and to, just to uh, let particularly local governments know they're responsible for uh, litter management uh, wherever they are, even if they're not close to a coast or close to a, a river, their drains do lead there. So uh, we've just got to come up with a, a way of starting the conversation with them to uh, reduce... The, the incidents, that sort of stuff. It's a tricky one with litter management and councils, isn't it? Because councils connect to other councils. And so while you might have litter that blows or, you know, finds its way into the stormwater system, once mm. it's in the stormwater system, it's going to travel from council boundary to council boundary. And, of course, the litter doesn't care which council it's in and the, the marine... Um, Creatures at the other end don't care where that litter's come from either. No, that's right. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just something that has snuck up on people, really. We're, we're focused on the bigger things and uh, we just don't notice the microplastics. Do you, Neil, do you have a feel for where most of this is coming from? Is it people throwing things out of cars or is it getting blown off tips or is it coming from industrial areas? I think it's a bit of all, all of the above. So, uh, uh, In fact, uh, there's a bit of exciting news on the polystyrene front that uh, we have actually identified one particular local government recycling depot, which is close to the Merry Creek. And uh, that may be, we're going to put some test quadrants in to proximity to that to see whether that's a major source. Because it could be just a couple of areas. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, if we can change human behaviour and also a few practices in those kind of situations, then that'll make a big difference. Dr Surf's questions led on to what um, I was going to ask you about too, which is about methods for tracing. And I understand so in terms of some of the methods that you use, there's, there's been some sort of exciting developments in this area. Yeah, well, uh, we started out, like everyone, with a focus on the marine environment and uh, there's been a lot of work around Australia and internationally on what's in the marine environment and uh, beach cleanups. And so we developed uh, methods for monitoring beaches to get representative samples, particularly to focus on the microplastics because a lot of beach cleanups research didn't actually pick up that level of detail. Mm. Uh, so we're wanting to find a method that could be completed by a couple of people in under an hour or two 
Uh, so it could be regularly repeated and that gives you much more statistical rigour. So, And then, of course, uh, getting the terminology of the things that you're collecting uh, in sync with others. So we've, we've made sure that uh, what we call stuff is exactly what it's called in the Tangaroa Blues National Marine Database. Uh, so we're not just muddying the water, so to speak. Uh, and then the question came, well... Let's, let's think about where is this stuff coming from? Why aren't we doing research actually on the streets? We're, we're, we're at the source. And so what do you think might come from this? You've got, a lot, you've got an army of citizen scientists out there actually collecting the information. How do you kind of go from that step to actually being able to run some investigations or, or actually try and trace this stuff upstream to its source? Oh, well, I think, you know, we'll be able to um, we clearly point the finger at different uh, sources so that uh, then local government regulations, or they might even improve their cleansing regimes. Uh, there's, a, there's a range of things that you can do. You can have regulations and legislation, but also just practical measures. And the other big one, of course, is trying to influence human behaviour. Yep, that's right. And that's, that's a, an age-old problem, isn't it? And something that's faced by so many. Yeah, so we've got to uh, do it in a fun way, you know, like with the, the cigarette butt surveys, you know, we, we were looking at giving a big butt award to uh, <laughs> the property that had the most butts outside of that sort of thing, you know, so... <laughs> Uh, there's there's a lot of people who win prizes for doing good work, but yep. there's not many prizes given to those who don't good who actually do bad work. Yeah, that's right. Um, sorry, Brian. It, it's a simple thing too. I was growing up as a surfer in the seventies. There were a couple of well-known professionals who uh, used to say, "I want to leave the beach cleaner than when I got there." So it's simple. You were talking about human behaviour. You know, if I'm down yeah. at the beach, just pick up a bit of rubbish and take it home. And if we all did that. It's just it's a very simple thing. There's nothing shameful about it. No, that's and right. It, and it leaves the environment in a better state than when you got there. I think that's yeah. the point. Well, that's that's an extra R that I've added into the reduce, uh, reuse and recycle. You can remove. Hmm. That's nice, Neil. I like that. And and it's absolutely right. We were walking home yesterday from somewhere and, um, and my 10-year-old saw a big bit of plastic blowing down the street and she said, I'm going to pick this up and put it in the bin. And that was unprompted. Yeah. I thought, this is a generational thing too. Um, we can right. kind of look for continuous improvement as, as the younger generations come through. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's normal. I mean, normal. So. <laughs> noble, noble and normal. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Um, now, any events coming up? Oh, yeah, we, uh, you know, I'm just a, a great fan of the mollusks and yes. uh, we're going to be doing some live mollusk surveying at St Kilda Pier this afternoon at 3 o'clock with our Be The Regeneration group. So uh, we've been doing these surveys along with beach profiles so we can actually see uh, which part of the intertidal zone that the um, mollusks prefer. Um, this one particular one that's very common, that's the elongated wedge shell. And uh, so, yeah, we'll be doing that between 2 and 5 this afternoon and next um, uh, Sunday at 11 o'clock we're going to repeat the process but this will be at Kerford Road Pier, though, in Middle Park. Great. So we'll be doing, um, uh, when you're saying survey, can people just come along? Oh, yeah, I don't mind. It's basically... um, 
you know, a research project, but uh, it's it's informal in that sense. There'll be a couple of people around to, to talk about what we're doing. So yeah. If anyone wants to call down at St Kilda Pier at 3 o'clock today and have a look, that'd be great. Potential little recruitment opportunity for yeah, you guys as well. Right. You can never have too many citizen scientists, can you? No, that's right. And the mollusks need a bit more good press, you know. So oh, so. I'm right behind you there, Neil. Good on you, Brian. <laughs> Dr Limpet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Neil and I have connected on the in the world of mollusks many times previously. Thank you, Neil. A great pleasure. And um, we'll have you back on in a few weeks' time. Yeah, can I just make the observation too that Dr Surf seems a bit cheerful today, do you? <laughs> <laughs> the sun's coming out. <laughs> the birds are singing. <laughs> That's a bit of soul music. Yeah, you've got a stack of new soul music. But I'm really cheerful because Dr J's here and he drove me all the way here. So you see, usually I I hate driving. By the time I get here all the way from the peninsula, I'm going... (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Dr J. (laughs) Excellent. Thanks, Neil. We've got time for a bit of surf news, Dr Surf, before we listen to another track. Sure. Um, Look, I'm going to mention a day that's on in two weeks' time at uh, Point Leo. It's to raise money for the Disabled Surfers Association Mornington Peninsula Branch. And for those of you who don't know what the DSA does, uh, there are branches in on the Mornington Peninsula at Point Leo, at Ocean Grove, down on the west coast near Warrnambool, and also now down um, Kilcunda Way. And we take people with disabilities surfing. Um, or we give them a beach day a couple of times a year. Um, and we need money to be able to do that. And this is the Vintage Surf Day uh, at Point Leo on uh, Sunday, November the 12th. That's in two weeks' time. Entry is from 10am. Cost is $4 per car. We're going to have uh, displays of all the major surfboard makers down there. We're going to have vintage records, vintage clothes, um, surf magazines, um, Bob Smith from Rip Curl is coming over with the bell, so you can get your picture taken with the Bells Beach bell, and a lot of other memorabilia. There's going to be a whole stack of combis there and hot rods. So, And all proceeds go to the Disabled Service Association. So if you want to come down, um, check our website. If you want to come down and, and there is a, a, about three or four stands left, you can ring me uh, on 0438 458 064 and we'll put that number on the website too this is the third time we've had it we haven't had it for three years the last time we had it we had about 2,000 people turn up Mm. so if you want to come um, I would get there early Um, but it's a great day and you'll see a lot of fat old surfers grazing (laughs) and talking and reminiscing reminiscing about how life was better in the 70s can I just say as well, as as a young person and having been to these or the two previous vintage surf days, it really pays to go and, and you know, come along and get involved in these things. And not only is it for a great cause, but um, it's just really good to know the history and, yeah. you know, the, the way the culture has progressed, the progressed in surfing. Yeah, the old clubs it's are going to be old. there, the Suicide Savages, the old boards will yep. be there. So a lot of old pitches. So it's um, yeah, it's a great day. Yeah, and practical question. So you said that there were two thousand people there last time. So if people want to come down to Mel- from Melbourne for the day to, to check it out. Other than getting there early, which some people might not be able to do, what's the best thing to do if you want to if you can't do anything other than drive down yourself? Because parking obviously is going to be an issue. Oh no, there's plenty of parking. Is it's there? just you yeah. just. Because there's only one road into Point Leo, sometimes there's a little bit of a wait because you've got to go through the kiosk and pay your $4. But right. we've got um, um, contingency plans in place 
to minimise your weight. Right. It won't be nearly as bad as going to the football. Okay. <laughs> and it's worth the wait as well. Totally yeah. worth the wait. Yeah, and, and look, there's food and drink and everything in there, so you can spend the day quite happily. Great. And good kid-friendly? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, very kid-friendly. Excellent. Yeah, friendly for everyone. Now, can I ask, $4 a car, mm-hmm. you thought about putting your price up? Because I reckon people would be quite happy to pay a bit more than that. Well, we did, but we wanted to maximise the number of, of people that could enjoy it. Yeah, sure. And we'll, we'll take your um, queue on board for the next time, <laughs> Well, so entry forty dollars. No, maybe not. Ron Burton said so. <laughs> <laughs> maybe don't go quite that far. But um, given that it's such for, for such a great cause too, uh, I would be maybe people can pay their four dollars and if they want to chuck in a bit There's extra. There's lots they of can. other ways you can you can um, contribute money while you're there. You can buy a t-shirt. You can buy food. All the sales, the food sales goes to DSA. So nice. Hmm. Excellent. Sunday, November the twelfth. Yep, it's the Sunday after Melbourne Cup Day. Yeah, excellent good thing to do. Hopefully the weather will be nice. Brilliant. Now, we're going to have a chat, Dr Jay and I, about measuring wave height. Yeah, so, so what do you reckon the biggest wave you've ever surfed oh, is, Dr Surf? Well, the biggest wave I ever surfed wasn't in Hawaii. It was in, it was at Cathedral Rock. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where's and that, Dr Surf? Cathedral Rock's near Lawn, and it was right. a particularly big day, and I was young and fit. And um, I reckon fit, it Dr. was Surf. about, look, it's hard, it was triple overhead. Triple overhead. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Very good way to put it. And I remember vividly coming off that wave, I had to sit on my board for about five minutes because I was shaking. Oh, Because I thought I was going to die. <laughs> some some scary, not, scary stuff. I'm not a big wave surfer. I love four foot. Yeah, I reckon four foot probably my biggest. Hmm. Can I, I don't s- think I'll ever go much bigger than four foot. Just backtracking slightly, triple overhead, does that mean you kind of have three waves bang, bang, bang all at once? Or no, what does that it's, mean? it's when you get to the bottom of the wave. If there was three Dr. Surfs standing yeah, on top of you. If right. you put two other people on top of me. And, right. and because we crouch, that's probably about four and a half to five feet. So it's probably so you can 12 est- to 15 ah. foot. It was pretty big. So is this leading us into discussion about yeah. estimating wave height? Right. Yeah, there are various ways of doing it. Yeah, well, I, f- I figured we'd like I saw an article on the inertia, which is a pretty good little news source for surfers. But it was sort of discussing like the different ways different people judge wave heights, mm-hmm. and you know, when a surf forecaster or someone puts two to three foot on uh, on Some- the surf report, yeah, you know, and as a beginner surfer, you go down to the beach. And you're thinking, oh, two to three foot, you know, that's only waist height. Yep. You know, a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. And then all of a sudden you see a surfer, average five to six foot height, take off on a wave that's as, you know, tall, as, as tall as them. Right. Yeah, I did a snap pole yesterday when I was down at the shop. And it's one of the most annoying things amongst surfers is that they'll see the surf report saying it's two to three foot on the beaches. You roll up at the beaches and it's closing out like five to six foot. So then you've got to drive all the way around somewhere else. Yeah. And it's a common problem. Mm. And it's the, the issue, it's, it's not... The problem is that measuring a surf is subjective. Each person has a different way of doing it. Even to the point where in Hawaii they measure the back of the wave. And so, and this is where I was talking before about a, a court case. Why they measure the back of the wave, I don't know. Mm. I can only su- suggest it's got some macho reason for it. You don't surf the back of the wave, you surf the front of the wave. Mm. So, But the back of the wave will always be about half as big as the front. And so they'll say Hawaiian size 
three foot, which would be six to eight foot my size. Mm-hmm. Anyway, a guy, and, and I tried to find more information about this. I read about it in Surface Journal a long time ago, but because it happened in the early 90s before everything was put on the net, there's nothing there. But I remember vividly they, they a surfer looked at the surf report, went to the North Shore. The surf report was for two to three foot. He got smashed, got injured, sued the surf report and won. Mm. And and the thing that I remember most was that there was a very famous um, surfer and oceanographer called Dr Ricky Grigg who died recently, quite sadly, who said measuring the wave from the back is sheer nonsense because mm. you don't. But that doesn't happen here. But what does happen here, is, and I think it, it might be a generational thing, I don't think people know what a foot is anymore. <laughs> and because surfing is still very much imperial, our boards are feet measured in feet Mm. and our waves are often measured in feet there's a sort of disconnect between what someone's seeing and what you'll get when you get there and and there's no we i don't have a solution to this problem i'm just pointing it out that sometimes when you read in the paper what the surf's going to be don't be surprised when you get there it's different and there's that issue of delay isn't there as well so at the time that the papers get printed conditions can change between then and when people are actually reading it well, any forecast conditions can change within minutes, yep. really. And particularly for something like um, the size of a wave, it would be, I would assume, much more vulnerable to, you know, localised changes as well. We're yeah. predicting a, a weather, you know, the top temperature for the day and the r- approximate wind speed and stuff like that. The modelling has become so sophisticated now, it's pretty accurate most of the time. Yeah. But, well, when- but wave height is maybe a little more subjected, uh, um, vulnerable, you know, I think with wave height, when they put the actual height down on the source or whatever you're looking at, um, they're they're sort of judging off average wave. So the average wave that's coming through, you know, there's probably more sets that are around two to three foot than there are four to six foot or one to two foot. So they're going to say that the surf height is two to three foot because there are more waves coming through at that height than there are other heights. And Mm. it just so happens you might drive down to the beach and four to six foot sets are coming through and mm. you're going, hang on, this isn't two to three. Foot. So I'm just wondering if there's ever um, a smaller surf than what she, has been predicted. Not very commonly. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think it? Jay's point's quite uh, correct is that there's different ways of judging and, and each person has a different way of judging what the surf is. If I go down, I want to know what the biggest wave is because that's the way that's going to hurt me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas... Surf reports go on the average wave and, and some, some will go on the average of all the waves and they get this information from boys and so on or some will go on the average of the, the upper third of the, of the waves that come through. So there's, there's no tried or true method. But I think <coughs> the, the point is if you see a surf report that says two to three foot, don't be surprised if big, bigger sets than that come in mm. every now and again mm. yeah. uh, and be prepared for them. And, and then I think you'll be all right. I think a good thing to, to bring out of that is always be prepared for bigger waves, mm. even if it's going to be small, mm. something like yeah, that. Yeah, and I think today's a great day uh, case in point because the waves are not big enough really for the points and the, so you'll be going to the beach breaks. Now, beach breaks are heavier waves. They come in, they don't wrap around onto a reef which reduces their power, particularly the Gunnamatta Portsy, the waves will come straight in mm. and they've got a lot of power. And so even a two to three foot day at Gunnamatta, you're going to get a four or five foot set come in that's going to beat you up. 
So if you're prepared for that and you're fit enough to handle it, that's good. If you're not, don't go out. Mm. You've surfed all over the world, Dr. Surf. Oh, some, mostly. You, you surfed on every continent apart some. from Antarctica? Or, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about it. I haven't surfed in Russia or Norway or all these new places they surf now. Right. Um, so this issue with wave height prediction, are you finding that this is fairly consistent around the world or is it... Yeah, it is now it, it, because um, the information comes from models that come from boys mm. uh, and there's a lot of boys out there that the Navy have put out, for example, and, and fishing area, um, websites have put out because if you're on a boat, you want to know what the swell's like. It's a matter of life or death. Um, yeah, it is. And, and particularly when you get... There's a competitive um, surfing circuit now based on big waves and there's always arguments about whether that person caught a 60-foot wave or an 80-foot wave. Because there's no... As I, I keep going back, as a scientist, you want a machine that you can point at the wave and it tells you exactly how big it is. Well, that doesn't exist. Yeah. So it all goes back to people's perceptions and when that happens, there's always going to be arguments. Yeah. But I think the point to take home is if, if you're an average surfer and, and you look at the surf report, whether it's online or, or wherever... Be prepared that there's going to be waves bigger than what they say and if, mm. and if you're fit enough and strong enough to handle it, then you'll be fine. And if you're not, don't go out mm. like the girl I saw on Friday. He got have, smashed. Have you seen the Hawaiian surf height graph? No. So I, I read somewhere, I'm not, I'm not saying it's 100% true, but um, in Hawaii apparently they've only got two two sizes that they go off. So they have Hawaiian two foot and Hawaiian six foot. And Hawaiian two foot, I read, ranged from anywhere between two foot anywhere else to eight foot anywhere else. <laughs> and then six foot was from eight foot anywhere else to 20 foot plus <laughs> anywhere else. So we can, you know, we're pretty lucky in that sense. That yeah, that's not, a bit simplistic, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> like a, a little translation filter or something if you're going to go off those. Yeah. Hawaii, for those uh, listeners who don't know, is that's where the biggest waves, traditionally the biggest waves in the world come in. There are other spots now that have been identified like the place in Portugal and, and Cortez Banks and so on, but Hawaii consistently gets big waves because it's stuck in the middle of the Pacific. There's no continental shelf. These huge waves just come straight into the North Shore and they're not slowed down and they just hit. Mm. And yeah, it's about, the season starts in November, so we're about to hit it. The next competition is the Pipe Masters in December and you often get waves, which I call 15 to 20 foot. And But there's a very macho environment there, which is going back to what Jay was saying, why they measure waves, you know. There seems to be this culture where you'll paddle out and freak out because the waves are so big and the Hawaiian guys say, oh, what's the matter, dude, it's only three foot. <laughs> no, don't they... Don't they, it seems, yeah, they sort of um, downplay wave heights to, be, to, you know, make them sound a bit more. Um, not just wines, but everywhere around the world. Yeah. You've got all these people downplaying wave heights. It's like yeah. when you tell your mates you've surfed four foot whatever beach you were surfing and they go, no, nah, it was only two foot or something like that, you know. They're just downplaying it to... Doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is yeah. that you do, there's going to be that element of competition creeping in, isn't there? No, yeah. there's too many blokes surfing. We need more women in the water. Mm. Let's get on to that next. Down. Let's get on to that next time you guys come in because I, I want to talk yeah. more about women and surfing. We yeah. will be doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nice segue. Pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> Cl- 
closing minutes of Radio Marinara. We've had a very kind of surf-focused show today, as well as, uh, of course, talking about citizen science and reducing our litter. And Neil's still with us. Great you could stick around, Neil. I'm just having so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Dr Surf, a couple of quick things to finish on. Yeah, just this is the wrap-up of the world surfing titles at the moment with one event to go, both in Hawaii. The women's is a very good chance an Australian will win this year. Sally Fitzgibbons is rated number one at the moment. Tyler Wright, who won last year, is rated number two. There's one event to go at Honolulu Bay in Maui. Starts on the 25th of next month. In the men's, it looks like John John Florence will probably win from one of the um, Brazilians. And the last event is on the 8th of December at the pipe. And just one last final thing, which is really an indicator of... of where surfing's going, the future. The second Kelly Slater wave pool is about to be opened in Florida this time at Palm Beach. It will not be long, in my opinion, before there's an event held in these um, so-called artificial waves that are absolutely perfect. Mm. So that's the way things are going to go. Have you surfed a wave pool? No. The talk is that uh, with surfing being inducted into the Olympics at some future date, I'm not sure if it's Tokyo or LA, that there will be an event in a wave pool in the Olympics because it just does away with all all the worry and worrying, relying on nature for your waves. Mm. No sharks. You can no um, sharks. sharks. Yeah. <laughs> you can control the conditions you can too. Perfectly control yeah. the conditions and other, unlike the wave pools of the past, these waves are perfect. Mm. I mean they're really really good waves. So it will happen. I think. I think. Unfortunately, from my perspective, the Olympics. The surfing will be in the Olympics and it'll be in a wave pool. But Jay, have you surfed in a wave pool? No, but I would love to give it a crack. It's on your list. Yeah, there definitely. was talk of building one. Was it in Western Australia? There was one of. There was going to be ago. one in in the Yarra. There's a lot of talk. The Yarra. Yeah, about putting them in here. There was going to be one out near the airport at Tullamarine. A lot of talk. Don't see a lot of action. Look, there are other types of wave pools other than the Kelly Slater one, and, and I acknowledge that they're good as well. But it just seems to be at the moment mainly because of his name. He's eleven times world champion, and he has put a lot of his own money into these into these this technology, and it works. What about that uh, big um, aquatic water park down in Geelong that could do with a surf pool? Oh, I reckon. <laughs> The one with the really long water slide. Yeah. That looks scary. The one that you drive past every time you go into Geelong. You put it in Albert Park Lake, you could have it with the Grand Prix. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Hey, just one quick plug before we come to a a close. Life-saving Victoria, we've been talking a lot about um, life-saving, well, not so much about life-saving, but safety in water um, in the context of surfing today. So uh, Life-saving Victoria have just kicked off their summer season of sports carnivals, so they actually had a launch yesterday down at Rosebud, but lots of stuff coming up for Life-saving Victoria. We'll um, organise an interview with them in the weeks ahead. Uh, A couple of dates to put in your calendars. Saturday, the 16th of December, is going to be the first Life-saving Victoria Junior Carnival at Altona Beach uh, and then nothing till next year. But um, we will get in touch with Life Saving Victoria because they do such an incredible job they all do. across the summer. Fabulous job. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you, Jay. Thank you so much. Son of Surf. Thank you, Dr Surf. Pleasure. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Kent. And uh, stay tuned for Radiotherapy. I can see, I think it's Dr Malice out here Autonomy. today. Autonomy. I thought I saw Malice. Uh, Malice. Malice is here too. Excellent. And you're going to stick around, Kent? Yep. Hardest working man in radio. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> Next week, Ant's going to be in the house along with Dr Beach. I think Jeff Maynard's coming in as well. But in the meantime, get out there. 28 degrees today. Enjoy. It's a fabulous spring day because it's going to be wet for the rest of the week. And we'll catch you next week.
Have a great Sunday. Bye for now. Radio Marinara is brought to you by Deakin University's School of Life and Environmental Sciences. Triple R Sponsors. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.